Hello, my name is Aaron Wexler and welcome to another episode of Within the Game. Within the Game is all about how to treat your craft and your life like a game so that you can stay inspired, have more fun, and ultimately find fulfillment. Let's go. <laughs> the guests and information shared in this podcast are geared towards athletes and entrepreneurs, but really to anyone who's looking to become the best version of themselves. And if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share. If you have any takeaways or questions for the guests, be sure to put them in the comments. All of this really does help. And today's guest is the one and only Dr. Eric Corum. <laughs> Eric, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, this is awesome, Aaron. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm really excited to dig into this list of questions you have. I mean, this is a diverse, this is going to be a diverse discussion. <laughs> yeah, man. So Dr. Eric Corum is a sleep and stress resilience expert. He is the founder and CEO of AIM7, a company that turns your data into life-changing habits to, to help you feel and perform better. Dr. Eric has worked as a high-performance coach in the NFL and the NCAA, NCAA, as well as with Olympians, with companies like Nike, and even the Department of Defense. He is also the host of the Blueprint Podcast with Dr. Eric Corum. Your IG is at Eric Corum and website is aim7.com. Dr. Eric Corum, as you know, this podcast is all about staying inspired, inspired living. And I love just starting the conversation off with that question. What does inspired living mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a great question. For me, it's living a life of impact and serving others. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and that goes back to my core values of faith family, excellence, and health. And I believe that um, to live an inspired life and to make impact, I have to make decisions that are anchored and rooted in my values. And that is what you know keeps me going. And so, um, you know, I don't believe that I'm here to live a life that's centered on me. Um, I'm, I believe that we're here to love and serve other people. And so whether that was working in sports whether that was, you know, helping soldiers or teaching classes now, you know, serving people through technology, it's all really the same thing. I love it, man. I love it. And, you know, I love uh, connecting with doctors and, and podcast hosts because, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but we, we as podcast hosts have this curiosity, mm. right? And, uh, you know, when I was researching you and, and, you know, consuming a lot of your content, I just became more and more curious about your, your journey that led you to this point if you could just just briefly share your journey i know you in other podcasts you've been transparent about you know your past and you know um your fitness journey mm -hmm. just just share a little bit about 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 your journey getting to this point yeah i'll uh, i'll give you a little bit about my my personal life and then professional life so i grew up in dallas texas uh great family i would say one of the things that really shaped me as a child was i, I was an overweight kid and I was bullied pretty extensively. And um, I don't know if it was that, but there was a part of me that always wanted to be like, that was just like, people don't see who I really am. There's a shell, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved sports and I was pretty athletic for being a big guy. Uh, and I could, you know, do some things. And so I was just fascinated with how can I improve my performance? And there really wasn't like, performance facilities some things were popping up but not like it is now so i would go to barnes and noble the first book i ever read was sports speed by dr bob ward um started implementing that stuff on my own i would finish 
I mean, Texas football is huge, you know? So I would like after junior high practice, whatever, I'd go out on the track and like work on my technique or I'd go lift weights or whatever. And I got really fascinated by, by that. I uh, got an opportunity to play. Actually, I had a, I had an opportunity to go play football in California. My parents said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I had an opportunity to, to walk on at Texas A&M. And that really changed my life and uh, was a player there. And we had at the time, this is like the late nineties. Okay. Early two thousands, there was a physiology lab attached to our weight room and that was just non-existent. And I went to our strength coach. I'm like, what's going on here? Cause I was a pre-med major and he's like, there's a science to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that led me down a whole nother path. So uh, after A&M, I went to university of Arkansas and was very fortunate to one day have uh several well an eight-time olympic medalist walk into the weight room and she'd just come off the athens games and her coach was like would you train her i'm like heck yeah and so uh i ended up traveling the world for about 14 years her name's veronica campbell brown i was part of uh, the support team for tyson gay when he broke the u.s 100 meter record um and i got to see how the rest of the world was developing athletes and the difference between what was going on in the U.S. and around the world is in the U.S., we have the best athletes on the planet, just bar none. And um, in other places, they don't have the same genetic population. And so they are doing everything that it takes to elevate their athletes. So they develop these institutes of sport. And I was like, I want to bring that level of sophistication to human performance in the United States. Fast forward to 2011, I'm at Florida State University with football as the speed coach. Cause now I get this reputation as being a guy that can help make people fast. Um, and, uh, I went to Australia to learn about athlete wearable tracking technology. This didn't exist. Like Fitbits were just kind of popping up on the scene. Apple watch didn't exist yet. And I started putting these devices on athletes. They connected to GPS satellites and we could measure all sorts of stuff. And by quantifying the game of football for the first time, we were able to turn millions of data points into actionable recommendations to improve performance. Hmm. After our first season, our team had an 88% reduction in injury. NFL comes in after the season. They're like, okay, what's going on here? And it opened a multi-billion dollar market for sports wearables. So I went down the rabbit hole. Something I think you'll find interesting is, so I'm working with elite football players. I've worked with elite track and field athletes. And I start noticing that all of the best of the best have one common trait. They're incredibly adaptable to physical and psychological stress. Right, right. So I want to research like, how do you, how does this happen? And how could you duplicate this in other places? So my doctoral work was in how sleep impacts our ability to adapt to stress, specifically our brain. Yeah. And um, we did some amazing stuff while I was at the University of Kentucky then went on to be on the NFL. And then <clears throat> 2019, I just got curious about the consumer market. I'm like, you know what? Like we talked about before, everybody's got these Apple watches and Fitbits, but it's just data. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's like, right. okay, I walked 7,000 steps or whatever. Who cares? Um, it doesn't tell you exactly what to do with it. So we have started a company called AIM7 where we turn wearable data into actionable recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform better. So we can tell you like exactly how hard you should work out today, the type of exercise based off of your behavior, the specific mental fitness tools or mental health tools you should use. So it's been a wild journey. I never, if you would have told me this 15 years ago, I'd have been like, you're crazy. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be a tech CEO, but here I am. 
man, uh, thank you so much for sharing that story of, of how you got to be where you are right now. And, you know, this whole idea of AIM-7 and, you know, looking at this data, right, looking at this data and then implementing it into actionable, basically, plans, right? Yes. Like suggestions and plans. I think that's the future. So I think you're super smart. I think you're on point specifically with sports, but you know, for everyday people. Um, and, you know, part of my message is the inspired athlete is in all of us. It's not mm. just the, you know, competitors, right? It's yes. if, if, if you, if you want to have a good relationship with your body, I think you can call yourself an inspired athlete, right? 100%. To have the better, yeah. To have the better sleep, to have a, you know, the, the breath work the you know, to have a calm mind, to have great sleep. I think that's all part of being an inspired athlete. So there's just so much uh, synergy with what you're doing and, and the message that I'm trying to bring forward. Um, I, I was kind of planning on asking you more about aim seven later, but let's just, let's just go into it a little bit more now, because I think it's really relatable because I was telling you before that, you know, when I wear my Apple watch, you know, when I see all this data and it gives me like a little star and like, Hey, achievements, you know, uh, that's nice. But then what, right. Yeah. There's all this data and I'm wondering what they're doing with it. Actually. I'm wondering if it's like aggregating on some, you know, computer somewhere. So because we don't necessarily know that, which they probably are. Right. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> but, but let's, let's talk about what you, you are doing with it and how it can help the app. Yeah. First yeah. of all, you and I are so aligned that this, this for aim seven is not for quote athletes. We all are athletes. Yeah. Let's but go. This is, yeah. This is for busy people mm -hmm. that care about their health and wellness to just want to know what to do. Like you, most people don't have time to like export their data and download Excel sheets. No, it's like, just tell me what to do. So what we do is two things. Number one, like I said, we can tell you the precise type, intensity, and duration of exercise that your body is ready to adapt to today. So when mm. I was at Kentucky, my uh, graduate student, Dr. Chris Morris, now he runs performance science there, he coined something called the term fluid periodization. And here's what it means for the average person. I'd say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you go to the gym and you write down, this is what I'm going to do. Put it in your phone or you're going to get on the elliptical for whatever. And I'm going to go this hard and this long. Just because you wrote it down doesn't mean your body's ready to adapt to that stress. Because every morning, you wake up with a different amount of gas in the tank. Sometimes you got a great night of sleep the night before. You ate a great meal. You had a good family relationship. Some days, like, work just kicked you in the butt. You didn't get a lot of sleep. Kids kept you up. So you need to adapt the stimulus for you that day. So what we're doing is from a 30,000 foot view is we are building the capacity to adapt to more stress with less cost. And the scientific mm. literature is very clear. We call this adaptive capacity. There's five ways to do this. And these five pillars are sleep, exercise, mental fitness, nutrition, and fostering healthy relationships, living in community. Mm. And if you, you have to hit certain thresholds for these, but not only do they help you build capacity for stress, so you don't burn out, so you can live a thriving and inspired life. But it also um, prevents the most common preventable diseases in America, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and improves your longevity. So we give you these daily recommendations. So you just come in, it's super easy, click a button, this is what I do for my body. Boom, That's click cool. a button, this is what I do yeah. for my mind. But then after one week, and you're going to love this, because I gave you a code, you're gonna be able to hop in now. <laughs> awesome. Um, 
we identify after seven days, just like any good coach would do. We spend a week identifying, like going through all your data and the name seven says, here's the one area, Aaron, that you need to focus on. And then we create a small little goal for you. And we do some really cool behavior stuff. And then we help nudge you and encourage you along the line. So you can accomplish those goals that are very specific. So now you're not just closing rings to close rings. You're closing rings to hit specific markers that we know are going to help you live a thriving life. So yeah, this is just the beginning. Um, the average AIM7 customer in the first 30 days has like a 31% reduction in stress. Wow. They do 38% more workouts. They sleep better because everything's tailored to them. And this is 15 bucks a month. I mean, because of technology, you can democratize this. That's what got me fired up as a coach. Like I could coach maybe with football. We have a roster of a hundred. Mm -hmm. Now we can help millions. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's what aim seven is. And our mission is to help people build this capacity to adapt to stress so they can thrive in what is really a chaotic world. Okay, man, this is absolutely awesome. I think you're right. It's going to help a lot of people, maybe per perhaps millions. Now, here's one thing, and this is not a criticism. This is just sure. a thought. Yeah. Um, how do you, what do you say to someone who might say, well, it's really up to me to develop my intuitive nudges to make those decisions mm. for me, right? Because that was actually the first thought I had, you know, because, okay, let me just back up for a second. Definitely, I think this is part of the future. I think wearables and integration and aggregating information is. I think 100%. I know where you're going with this, and I like well, it. Keep yeah, going. yeah. I'm just just exploring here. You know, yeah. um, I definitely think all those things are part of the future. But I also think there's a huge value point into you know checking in with myself and and creating those decisions. You know, and 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 creating. You're a resilience guy, right? Creating more resilience with my own intuition. So yeah, just how does that fit? So this is called interoception. Okay. It means being able to understand what's happening internally. And here's the secret sauce behind AIM-7. You just described what is our one of our biggest value propositions. You Let's say you have like an aura ring or one of these devices. It's like, oh, you're 80% you're today. So you should do this. Well, there's right, a, right. a lot of times you're like, I feel like crap. Right. And this thing's, this is a machine. It doesn't know right. how I feel right. or the other way around. So what we do every morning is, is this is valid stuff. This is stuff that we would use with elite athletes. AIM7 sends you a text. You fill out this quick survey of seven questions about your mood, your energy, your sleep, your stress, your soreness, motivation. We do a check-in. We do really interesting math on the back end. So you're scaling this one to a hundred. How do I feel today? Which was a huge surprised at how many people were like, I just never take the time to sit down and, and reflect. We then combine how you feel with the wearable data to create the prescription and recommendations. So it is anchored on how you feel. Okay, good. good. So there's no longer this um, disconnect between this static flat technology and what's going on. Um, and then we have a ton of education in there. So we have like a library where we're like, the, this is an inroads for equipping people. So some of these things like you're talking about, like we're teaching people how to be psychologically flexible. Cool. We're teaching how to lead yourself. So we put all that in the app. We have a massive library, but you're right. Like technology doesn't know how you feel. And so you have to have an active role in the process. 
Um, and the other thing too, is what we found with athletes is, is if you ever tell an athlete, they can't do something, that's a, that's a bad day. <laughs> so we're like, here's the coach's pick. The other ones are available, but we give you a gradient of a color code to let you know that like, Hey, this isn't the red, like this is not ideal for you, but you can still do it. Just know that it's going to cost you more on the back end. Hey everyone. Thanks so much for being a fan of the show. I really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to further support the podcast, please grab a copy of my book, The Inspired Athlete. Uh, the Inspired Athlete is all about my personal growth journey, my athletic journey, my spiritual journey, all combined into one. And really the idea is that um, the energy of the inspired athlete is within us all, and it's up to us to evoke that. And uh, whether you consider yourself an athlete or a competitor or not, it's my belief that the energy of the inspired athlete is within us. Even if you just decide to take a deep breath and just move your body, that's the inspired athlete. So it would mean a lot if you could help support the book project as well as the podcast by grabbing a copy, uh, links to the Amazon uh, paperback version as well as the Audible um, audiobook version are listed below in the description. Thank you very much for your support. Stay inspired, y'all. Yeah. Okay. No, that's totally cool. And, you know, touching on, you know, emotions, I mean, EQ, right? I had mm -hmm. a section on this, like emotional intelligence, I think is a huge part of staying inspired, right? I, or, or, or even winning, right? Like understanding that you have full control of your emotions and no one else does. Mm -hmm. And it's no one else's job. It's your job, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's ownership and power in that once you really know that, you know that, you know, and, and I didn't really know that until later, like recently, actually, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm getting more and more like, Man, like, um, do you know who Abraham Hicks is by any chance? That's, that name sounds familiar, but help me out here. Yeah, it's a spiritual, I'm a spiritual person. So it's a kind of a spiritual, um, it's a spiritual guide. Uh, you can find, you can find them on YouTube. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's a woman named Esther Hicks who channels this entity called Abraham and it's all positive law of attraction stuff. But basically, you know, the, one of the messages there is that the, the emotions are your guidance system, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to athletes, right? It's, it is how we feel. It is how we feel. And I think um, there's it's it's a catch 22 sometimes because sometimes you hear you're not your emotions. Don't worry about your emotions. Get the job done. Right. I think that's kind of the old school kind of athlete mentality. I think the new school mentality is like check in with yourself. Make sure you're feeling good. Right. You will need to be mentally there. Right. You see all these, you know, all these stories about people who kind of are lost it mentally and, and have to pull out of a competition. Right. So I think the the new new school is a blend, right? And I, that's why I really like what you're doing with AIM Seven. So uh, this is brings up something really interesting. There's a myth that the best in the world don't feel pressure, right? That's a complete lie. Um, there was a Olympic cyclist named Sir Chris Hoy. He won six Olympic gold medals. He's the greatest cyclist of all time. And when they asked him what it was like to race in an Olympic finals, he said it felt like he was going to the gallows, like he was being going to be executed. Right. Like that's how sick he was at his stomach. But how you feel does not determine how you're going to perform. So things like mindfulness, what every athlete wants is to control their attention. What every great performer wants to do is control their attention. So for instance, right now I'm, I'm raising funds for AIM7. I've got these huge demo days coming up. I'm going to be in front of all these investors and you better believe it that I'm feeling a little bit 
like bubbly in my stomach, right? Let's go, man. Let's go. But how I feel doesn't have to determine how I perform. Mm -hmm. But you have to train that. Mm -hmm. You have to train that with, uh, so two nights ago, uh, we had a, uh, we do these once a month AIM7 Zoom community calls for free. Just anybody that's on our newsletter. And Veronica Campbell Brown came on. And she's talking about how, you know, she would visualize for months. She would lay there in bed and visualize what it would be like at the Jamaican trials. Everything from her warm up to how it would smell, how it would feel, what the track would be like with the crowd or an Olympic finals or Olympic games. So when she got there, it was like she'd already been there in her head. And so, you know, the problem is, is emotion, though, if you let emotion control you, it can wreck your performance. It can completely like if if in elite level, like in the Super Bowl, like you better believe I've seen, I mean, guys will throw up on the sideline. But what they have to do is you have to get control of your body and it can either facilitate or it will debilitate. So one thing I would push back on a little bit is, is like emotions can be good, but if you don't control the emotion, it will control you. And so it's like, um, let's say you get in a disagreement, right? With a friend, you start feeling the, uh, you know, like I'm angry. Anger can be a good thing. If it's, if it's controlled, if you don't get there too quickly, if you listen, you know what I'm saying? Like anger can be used in a way that is productive or it can be incredibly destructive. Same emotion, two different outcomes. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Let's go, let's do a little more deep dive into the mindfulness since you, yeah. uh, since you brought that up, cause I'm big on that. Um, so, you know, the, the visualization, are there any specific tips that you can give for visualization. So before you answer, you know, one of the things I like to share is creating a movie theater in the head, in the headspace, right? When you're like closing your eyes and you're visualizing that way, you're like sitting in a chair, a nice chair, like a really nice chair, you know, a great (laughs) movie theater, a a great screen, almost like an IMAX, right? You got the perfect, uh, you know, visuals, and then you got this Dolby surround sound. So you now you're creating an environment in your mind to project what you're what you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. right? And that's a nice setup, I believe, uh, for visualization. And then you can start projecting all the desired outcomes. Um, do you want to build on that, or is there anything that else comes to mind in terms of visualization? Yeah, this is such great timing. I just had uh, Andy Reese on my podcast. He'd be somebody to come on your show, Andy. Um... Cool. Former military West Point um, was a mental performance coach in Major League Baseball. And we talked about visualization and he said, you want to co-opt all the senses. Sight, sound, touch, smell. That's that's a hard one sometimes. Um, But you really want to like, did I miss one? Feel. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like every, he said, so in visualization, you want to actually like, not just visual field, you want to try to get every single sensation involved, especially if you're preparing for an outcome. So from a visualization standpoint for performance, you would want to think like, oh man, um, 
you know, when I was with the Texans, I can remember what it would feel like to be on the field. It's a dome. So it's a little bit cooler, which is weird. Um, you know, the sound in the stadium's a little bit different, the visuals different versus like when I was at Florida state, um, it was humid. You know, they got the war chant going on. Mm-hmm. There was like a, almost like a thickness in the air. Um, you know, so these are all the things, but whatever it is, maybe it's a presentation, maybe it's you're playing a sport. That's how we use that. Now, meditation or mindfulness, I should, I want to be more precise here is a tool to train attention. It's not a spiritual thing. So like, you don't have to be a spiritual person to do this. What attention is the currency of performance. Mm-hmm. I'm stealing that from my friend, Dr. Peter Haverhill. Mm-hmm. And when you train mindfulness, you're training your attention. And so you, the way you do mindfulness, there's a lot of different ways, but one of the most common and probably the most simple ways to do it for most people is to hone in on a physical sensation. A lot of people go to the breath, right? Close your eyes, observe the breath. You know, you can, you can do cadence breathing and really focus on the cadence. You can sit there and just observe the breath coming in and out and really not control it. You can do mindful walks where you literally go for a walk. And then all of a sudden you want to tune in to all of the noise and surroundings. All of a sudden you hear birds, you hear the crumpling of the ground under your feet. And what you're trying to do is just trying to hold your attention on that. Mm. And your mind is going to drift. And when it does gently bring it back, don't berate yourself. And that is when the plastic changes happen in the brain. And so I like to do mindfulness when I go into a sauna. And so this is something I've been doing lately. So I love to get in the, like at the gym, there's this really hot sauna and there's people in the room and I'll just close my eyes and I'll do 10 minutes of following my breath. And then it starts, you know, now the sauna is getting hot. I'm really hurting And then I'll do like five to seven minutes of just like feeling the beads of sweat roll down my face. And it's like, for some weird reason, I don't suffer as much. As soon as I exit that state, it's like all the pain comes in. (laughs) But training this over and over and over again, what happens is you'll start to realize or you'll start to notice when you're ramping up when you're not when your autonomic nervous system is shifting into this what's called sympathetic state or gas pedal down state and you're like okay Eric you need to calm back down be mindful of it now I take control right and I can harness my attention yeah well that's great attention is the currency what did you say attention is attention the cur- is the currency of performance yeah I would even argue attention is the new currency period, right? Because Mm. now on social media, right? Like they're all, they're all fighting for our attention. Mm. And that's actually, I want to take you there for a second because this is relatable to all of us, Mm. right? I was raised by two amazing, beautiful parents. Um, They'll probably listen to this shout out mom and dad um, who kind of taught me this mindfulness practice as I was growing up. And it really, you know, it really created a foundation for me where I could, I could, train my mind to slow down and be present more, uh, more often. I think what happened to me recently, uh, maybe in the last decade or so is that all of this tech, the social media, and as, as it's become quicker in this Instagram world that we're in now, it's Insta, right? This three second attention world. Now it's actually trained my mind to go the other way. 
I've noticed that more now. I've noticed my attention is like, boom, boom. I only give my attention only three to five seconds to something, not just social media. I'm saying that trained me to my mind is like, it's, it's all over the place now. Mm-hmm. And be, as, as I become more aware of that, I'm like, okay, that's not what I want. I want to stay more present. I want, I don't want to be so all over the place. Mm. But I think that that's happening to a lot of people because of the scrolling generation. It's not just Instagram, right? It's all these apps, whatever the app is or whatever the tech is, we're in a scrolling world where it's like on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, right? So knowing that and knowing that mindfulness is a tool, how can we implement both? Because the scrolling is only going to get quicker. And, you know, yeah, that's kind of a big one there. But I think that you have to be deliberate. Everybody's, man, you and I are both on Instagram. Yeah. Um, You know, I started a writing, a digital writing course recently. Um, And this is going to come full circle. Yeah, yeah. I promise Mm -hmm. Uh, to, I write a lot and I write for investor newsletters. I write for content i have to be a good speaker so you have to be able to write and get your thoughts across and this 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 specific writing call course called ship 30 for 30 it's really good um they teach you how to write atomic essays and it's a really cool way of writing these quick 250 word essays every day one of the things they said was is like you need to go on twitter or whatever and you need to read with intention don't go on there to scroll Right. Like when you go on there, like go on there to read and see, and like you're examining, like I'm examining what is causing why people are clicking, what they're looking at, and how I can use that to help. Because if I can capture your attention, then I can serve you. Um, at the same time, it can be, it can like a vortex to just suck you in. Right. <laughs> and so I don't, I really try to not to look at it at night during the day. I've started putting my phone away. Um, I allow myself windows. I'm getting, I'm getting more disciplined with this. I'm getting more disciplined with it, but I think it's dangerous. Um, I have three boys, three young kids, and I don't like it when they get on the phone. Uh, we don't, we have very strict rules around that. I try okay. to push them to read more um, because I think you can be easily persuade. Right. Right. And if you are if you are a deep thinker and a reader, it's going to be harder for somebody to persuade you or to deceive you rather than being what happens is what you see visually causes you to react out of your emotions because of something called the amygdala in the brain. And so the amygdala is what ramps up your emotions, right? So you see something and if you showed certain images to people around the world, everybody's going to laugh. It's because we're biologically wired the same way. So if you know how to turn that and it can be used for manipulation or it can be used for good. Right. And so uh, there's great storytellers that can tell great stories to help people. And they know that they can bring you along this story arc and, or you can use that in a very dangerous way. And so I don't want to be the person that's easily fooled and neither do I want my kids to be. So I, I, there are certain platforms I got off. Mm. Just don't even touch it. Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, it's tough, right? Because we gotta, we gotta kind of keep up, right? And we gotta kind of stay, stay ahead, almost. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, like, you you don't have like Mr. Beast was great on one platform. Yeah, true. And then he just 
basically copied and pasted it other places. So like I started on Instagram, I'm really diving in on LinkedIn and Twitter because I like the written word and I still make these videos. But what I'm doing is I'm starting to learn. I can write atomic essays, see which ones work. I know this is not about social media. No, no, no. Then I can quickly turn them into videos and just use those because if they work written, they're going to work orally. And then social media is so weird too. You know how it is. Like you think you created something that's great and you get one like, and you create something in 15 seconds and it gets like 50,000 views. And you're like, what in the world? Like it's, it's a weird game, but um, it is a weird game, but I think it totally integrates with this whole conversation. And actually what I want to talk about next is, is stress and anxiety, right? And social mm -hmm. media and all that stuff can lead to building stress and anxiety. Um, I see it firsthand. You know, I work with kids and, you know, it, it, you know, I would love to hear you talk about that. You know, how do we deal with stress? And this is kind of your wheelhouse here. Yeah. How do we deal with stress and anxiety? And if you can relate it to how this social media game is playing a role into that and how we can kind of help, you know, mitigate that, that'd be great. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to break this down into a couple parts. Sure. First of all, stress is not the enemy. Um, the only way to get better is to deliberately stress yourself. Think about this. If you want to improve, if you want to get fit, what do you have to do? Exercise. That is stress on the body. If you were to look at all the biological things that happen when you exercise, and if you just looked at that, you'd be like, this is the worst thing for you ever. But no, that's that's the way that your body adapts. Um, if you want to learn a new skill, you have to go sit down and engage in something that could be incredibly frustrating. That's how you create plasticity. The problem is, is when acute stress exceeds your capacity to adapt to it, or you have this long-term chronic stress. That's when you have mental health issues. That's when you get burnout. That's when you have injuries. So what's the, what's, we kind of touched on this before. How do you prevent that? Mm -hmm. You build the capacity to adapt to more. You build a bigger tank. Okay. Stress comes from all different places. They're called stressors. Uh, money can be a positive or negative. You have a lot of money, can be a good thing. Don't have very much money and a lot of stress. Relationships can be great, can cause can cause positive or negative stress, right? Sure, sure. So what's your body, there's two words that people could cement them in their brain. These are the two biggest science words I'm going to throw at you today. <clears throat> the first one is allostasis. It is your body trying to achieve stability through change. That is what your body is trying to do, Okay. Um, however, when you encounter stress, it comes at a cost. That's called allostatic load. Okay. Every stress comes with a cost. You eat, it stresses the body. Being awake turns on the stress systems. What most people don't realize is that the body and the brain do not differentiate between physical or psychological stress. It is one input and it has the same consequence. There's three systems that get turned on and they get turned off. And so like when you're asleep, these systems, like for instance, something called the HPA axis or the sympathetic nervous, that's a different one is the sympathetic nerve, uh, the autonomic nervous system. There's the HPA axis and you have an immune response. When you sleep, those stress systems are turned down and different things turn on. So it allows for recovery. So adaptation is a simple formula. The right dose of stress with the right dose of rest. Okay. Hmm. So you can adapt and thrive and overcome if you inoculate yourself to stress over time. 
if you deliberately engage in stress. And so wow. that's what we baked into the whole AIM-7 thing is letting you know how much stress you can adapt to today. So some days you need to lean in. Like, I'm doing great. I need to go at it hard. Other wow. days, the window's not open and you should dial it back if you can and let your body recover. What happens is over time, that tank gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you have more days where you can do more and more and more and more. Huge thank you to new sponsor of the show, Chico Bag. Chico Bag is your eco-friendly travel pack and shopping companion. I actually have my travel pack right here. I use it almost every day, and I love it. Love it for little day trips or um, going to the grocery store. It replaces hundreds of single-use plastic bags and fits in your pocket or purse. And with its stylish and durable design, you can take it anywhere. Chico Bag is a certified B Corp and donates 1% of sales to environmental causes. So join the Chico Bag revolution to reduce plastic waste and create a sustainable future. Visit ChicoBag.com and get 20% off your order as a Within the Game podcast listener using promo code Within the Game. Back to the show. You keep going. Carry this yeah. on to energy, right? Because I think the next thing that I want to talk about is energy. Yeah. When I was talking to Rob Deerdeck, um, uh, he was talking about harnessing this energy and like, that's like the number one priority, especially as you get older, right? Like you realize that our time is limited and, and our energy is like the key to everything. Talking about athletes and entrepreneurs. I mean, we need energy to do what we do, right? Everybody. That's like our, our core thing, regardless of, like you said, whether you're spiritual or not, I yeah. think everyone's spiritual, but like that, that soul, that spirit, that energy inside of us, right? How do we have more of that? Yeah. I mean, if your tank's empty, you don't have the, you don't have energy. You yeah. can try to fake it, but you can't make it very long. The best warriors on the planet. That's why we're seeing a lot of problems, traumatic brain injuries, all these kind of things. These guys, let's take our tier one operators. They go out and they're the best of the best. You put them in deployment for long enough under critical stress and their systems begin to fail. Hormonal systems start shutting down. All sorts of stuff starts happening. Why? They have chronically exceeded their capacity to adapt. And eventually there's a price to pay. Not, and there's not enough caffeine that you can take to keep going. <laughs> the key to energy, which is really the ability to break down and use energy, is like stored forms of energy from food or whatever to, sure. yeah. you know, and to be able to ramp up the autonomic nervous system so that you can be alert and focused is your ability to adapt to stress. I mean, it's so simple. It's like very fundamental and simple at, at the same time, but that determines how much gas you got. You think about it. When you get a great night of sleep and you're, let's say you get around people that you enjoy for a week and you get exercise, you're outside a lot, you get great nights of sleep, man, you feel like you can do whatever all day long. You it's can true. try to will yourself through six out five six hours of sleep for a long period of time crappy food tough relationships eventually guess what's gonna happen you're gonna get sick yeah it's true you can't it's biology you can't out you can't out wish yourself to not have these things it's just <laughs> sorry no it just doesn't work like that if you're strategic and you protect your mental health you invest in your mental and physical health i believe people are spiritual also it just depends on how that manifests in your life. For sure. me, it's my my Christian faith. Um, but being believing that you're part of something bigger and connecting to a community of people. There right. is some really interesting research, as a matter of fact, 
I started doing all this crazy research a few years ago on like, when I say research, I'm talking like peer reviewed journal articles, like what is it that allows us to adapt to stress? And um, I found a paper and it was talking about all the different types of allostatic load and how like things that you can do to adapt. One of the interesting thing was, and like I said, this is faith agnostic, but they said, if, if you were part of a faith community, you had a, a, I believe it was a 55% reduction in all cause mortality and things like blood pressure, cholesterol levels, all the things that you would see as markers for stress were lowered. What wow. is the commonality of that? It's people engaged with people, consistently supporting, loving, and then believing in you're a part of something bigger. There was another paper that just came out from the University of Kansas that showed just one meaningful conversation a day. Mm significantly lowered stress, boosted mood. And here's the kicker, going back to our digital thing, digital forms of communication like text and DM were not effective. Mm. You actually have to connect with people, IRL folks, you know, in real life, for those that don't know what that <laughs> means. Um, living on your phone is not going to get it done. You will be socially isolated and it is a recipe for disaster. And so... Um, you know, Aaron, you've got this community of volleyball players and kids that you're pouring into, you're getting them together in real life. If you're watching this right now and you're like, well, I'm an introvert and all that kind of stuff. That's great. Just find one person, yeah, just one person that you can have a real conversation. It doesn't have to go spill your guts. Um, a, a, a meaningful conversation in the literature was defined as like listening with intention, mm -hmm. caring, giving somebody a kind word. So even if you just took five minutes to like human to human connect, I do a gratitude journal at night. Nice. And without fail, I think about, it's like, what is like one of the most special parts of your day? It always goes back to my kids or my wife. Yeah, that's cool. Like a two minute interaction of hugging and cuddling with my son is like of all the things that could have accomplished that day. I could have raised a hundred thousand dollars or whatever that is always like the thing that I'm like, remember the most. Yeah, that's super cool. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Um, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on sleep. Another okay. part of your wheelhouse here. Um, give some tips on better sleep, you know, yeah. I, and, and just for me, my transparency is it's finding a good night's sleep has been difficult lately for mm -hmm. me. I got a lot of my mind, you know, I'm, I, Personally, I am in my phone a lot, right? And I, I, I'm aware of it, but it's still hard for me to put it down. I'm just, that's my transparency. Mm. Um, you know, I've heard you talk on other podcasts, like, you know, don't have stuff on, but sometimes I like having meditations on to help me like chill out. Um, but I know I can't get into that deep, deep sleep. So just, just talk a little bit about, you know, some tips for better sleep. Cause we, now you, you mentioned the energy part of it. We know we, I think we all know we need good sleep but how oh, do we get there more it's a great point uh when i decided to do my doctoral work i was like i want to study something that if you can't live without yeah and sleep yeah. is one of the three things you can't live if you don't get it you'll eventually die um yeah sorry to be morbid there but, no i um, mean it's true yeah so sleep really begins one of the first things we learned and 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 you know you before you do research, you have to do a significant amount of review of the literature. So you'll read hundreds, if not thousands of articles on journal articles. And there's two things that drive sleep. There's a homeostatic drive, 
and there's circadian drive. So what's that mean? Homeostatic means uh, when you wake up in the morning, there's just this natural like sleep hunger. When you wake up in the morning, you're less sleepy as the day goes on, you get more sleepy. Then there's mm-hmm. the circadian. Circadian literally means about 24 hours. And it is a entrained rhythm, meaning it's it's entrained into literally every single cell of your body. But there are things that synchronize or anchor your circadian clock, uh, of which light, temperature, humidity, food, and exercise, movement, really anchor this clock. Um, light is the strongest one. It's it's called a Zeitgeber or time giver. And so uh, when you view sunlight in the morning, so for instance, like light is measured in lux. So one lux is like a, one candle of a brightness. Um, our bodies were not designed to be indoors. We've actually seen this. If you want to unhinge somebody, like literally thread them apart psychologically you disrupt their sleep long enough and they'll go insane Hmm. um there's reasons like certain special operations units in their um in different phases that will deprive you of sleep because they really want to see how you operate under pressure and if you fold you can't handle the type of austere environments they're going to operate in so um what happens is is if we we have moved indoors over the past probably 100, 125 years, and we're starting to see all of these diseases pop up that just haven't been happening before. And there's circadian biologists now that are doing some phenomenal research on this. They're like, we are not anchored to our environment. So when you go outside, even like right now in Houston, it's cloudy. If I were to take a light meter and look at the sky, it's probably five to 8,000 lux. You need about 100,000 lux of intensity of light to anchor your clock each day. Inside, you're not going to get that much. I got these big box lights, and they're probably 500 lux each. So in the morning, whenever the sun's up, before, I don't know, 10 a.m., you need to go outside. If it's a bright, bright day, about five minutes, seven minutes will get it done. If it's cloudy, maybe 10 or 15, and you can go in and out and in and out. What happens is that light enters your eyes. And it interacts with a bundle of nerves that sits on the top of the roof of your mouth called the suprachiasmatic nucleus or the circadian pacemaker. So you have a pacemaker for your heart. You also have one for your circadian clock. That circadian pacemaker then sends a signal to every cell in your body that's time to be awake. And it does that by increasing body temperature and by increasing cortisol. Hmm. Cortisol. Um, wow, my camera just froze. Yeah, there Sorry you go. About that. No, no worries. Uh, cortisol. Uh, is actually a great hormone. It makes you alert. And um, and then what happens is, is if you get frequent light exposure throughout the day, this is something newer that we're finding. Um, it increases melatonin production. So the more frequent exposure to light you get outside, so frequent walks, sitting next to a window, but specifically mm-hmm. going outside, uh, increases the secretion of melatonin from the pineal gland, which helps you fall asleep. Mm. So... The number one thing you can do is, is is set up a good relationship with light. Um, so in the morning, try to get now look, if you get wake up before the sun comes up, like I do, just when it's up and it's bright, go outside. If you work in an office building, go take a break. Um, just 10 minutes, you know. If it's rain, if you're in the Pacific Northwest or you're in a part of Europe, it's still go outside. If it's cold, go outside. That's why you have seasonal mood disorders in, in in places where it's cloudy all the time and people don't go outside. They get totally unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. So 
The second thing I would say is if light is alerting in the morning, it's alerting in the evening. So when, when the, the sun goes down, start dimming the lights in your house. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, because guess what? Your, your mind is thinking, I should be alert. If you really have serious circuit, like you were really suffering, um, I mean, you should make your house dark. Like as soon as the sun goes down, turn off all the lights in your house. Just enough to operate so you don't stumble and break a foot or something. There's actually research that um, with they were taking college students out into the wilderness camping for weeks, like, like a week or two, and it would completely reset everything because now you're waking up when the sun comes up, you would exercise, move all day. Just think about how natural that, like, well, I love backpacking. That's a thing that I do. It is a reset completely. And I was listening to, do you know the Sean Ryan show? Mm -mm. Pretty intense. Okay. Uh, former SEAL special operator, then a CIA operator. Um, he had this guy named Chris Van Zanon, former Delta operator. And he is, I've, I've worked in those communities. And so it's like really interesting. It's like, I hear the same story over and over again. Sure. But when he got out, he did, I think, 11 combat deployments and he was suffering for years with insomnia. He went on a three week hiking trip and it was a 200 mile deal. Woke up with the sun every morning, hiked all day, went to bed with the sun at night, never had a sleeping problem again when it was over. Wow. wow. And it just shows that we are so disconnected from our environment. And so the last thing I'll say is this, and to bring it back to your digital thing, mm -hmm. the phone, you know, people are like the blue light, it's going to kill you. You know, it's not the blue light. That's the huge problem. It, it, it's not that crazy. It's when you watch, like you could be dead freaking tired. Then you go, I'm going to take a minute and I'm just going to scroll. Guess what happens? You get emotionally stimulated and then you're alert. And right. you watch something that, and now it's hard to go to sleep. Right, right, right. Wow. So um, I know that was a lot, but I hope that helps somebody out there. No, that's great. That's great. I have like four specific follow-up questions to oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, because I'm listening to this and this is all relatable to all of us, right? So yeah. the first thing is the radiation on the phone. Is that a thing? Do we need to worry about the radiation oh. on the phone and the, the laptop? I think there's could be something to that. Yeah. Um, the electromagnetic waves. Right. Um, I wish I had a Faraday tent to go over my bed or something like that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> some, I'm, I'm serious. Like I I've met people that they put a, these people are wealthy. They put a Faraday. They live. I met this fun family. They have a lower floor, middle floor and an upper floor that three story house. Okay. So the middle uh, floor, they had a Dr. Faraday camera just froze again a little bit. So oh, please, sorry. That's okay. Um, I don't know what's going on. Uh, the middle floor had this Faraday tent like embedded in the walls. And then at night they turn off all the Wi-Fi and there's no electromagnetic waves coming in. And it's like the most restful sleep you've ever had. So it's like a protection layer. Like, like this is something I have. It's called safe sleeve for the phone. Yeah. Is it something like that? Yeah. So Faraday tent. Yeah basically block certain waves. Yeah. You know, I think, I think before you worry about that, let's knock off the big pieces. Um, let's make sure you 
have good sleep hygiene. You're, you know, you got the best sleep practices. Let's make sure that you're exercising enough. Let's, let's make sure that you, sure. Commu- you know, if you do the basics and then you can start doing these things that may have a two or three or 4% improvement. But if you start with that, it's like, you know, it's like, should I take creatine? Uh, yes. Creatine's phenomenal. Wonderful supplement. One of the most researched supplements on the planet. Uh, it's not, doesn't cause any problems. It's even potentially helpful for Alzheimer's disease, but don't take creatine. If you eat McDonald's three meals a day, like let's start with that. Does that Got make it. sense? Got it. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, what about sounds during sleep, uh, like mm. meditation, a little soft music just to help you relax. Uh, you want it to be as, as stable as possible. So a white noise maker, I use an app called Endel, E-N-D-E-L, and it actually connects to my Apple Watch, and it mm. creates these AI soundscapes. Whoa. Wild. Um, so when I'm sleeping, it like goes from this music to this like weird transition into like this rumble. And it's just like, and it's like soothing. Okay. And I get... I get, I mean, lately my, I've just been flat out, out. I don't Mm. wake up at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've been taught to never look into the sun, but I think I heard you talk about a little sun gazing in the morning and at maybe at when it sets might be good. Did I hear you right on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should, but don't like burn your eyeballs out. Right. Um, I would like stare in the, like, if the sun is like you, like, eyes over here and blink you know uh, if you were to just stare at the raw sun and somebody peeled your eyes open you would like burn out your retina that would not be good uh but yes um viewing sunlight in the mornings in the afternoons like you know in the general direction of and then in the evening actually there's some literature that demonstrates it would have a protective effect because of the quality and wavelength of the light at night that it would at sunset, that it has a protective effect against viewing light later at night. I also just think it's relaxing. Mm. More important than anything, I like to go on evening walks just because it's like, (sighs) okay, day over, relax. Like this weekend, like, man, when this, this is it. This is my Friday afternoon. When this is it over, it is done. Yeah, cool. Uh, And I'm going to go walk and chill and spend time with the fam. Cool. Well, before you do that, I'll, oh, I'll no, let no, you go. No. I wasn't saying that we should, I was okay. just letting you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool though. That, that's really good. Uh, coffee and caffeine. Uh, um, I'm, I'm a coffee drinker. I like my, my, my morning cup or two. Uh, but I have heard that that could mess up sleep for later and all, and also just caffeine, you know, consumption throughout the day, which I, sometimes I get another cup later. Uh, talk about that, how that affects sleep. I'm actually writing a podcast right now on this. Mm. everything you want to know about coffee. Uh, so here's a sneak preview. Um, so caffeine blocks adenosine receptors, which makes you not feel sleepy. It's totally fine. If as long as you don't have a caffeine sensitivity, three to five cups a day is totally healthy. Really? Uh, yeah, there's actually some neurocognitive benefits. The key is you don't want to drink coffee like maybe after one or two o'clock because the half-life is like six to seven hours, I believe. And so like, you'd still be caffeinated when you go to bed. I'm a fast metabolizer of coffee. I actually have the snip for that. So like caffeine just runs through me. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I would just say like, we are like, we don't, you do not need to be taking in 800,000 milligrams of caffeine a day. That is just not healthy. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, like four to, f- I think 400 is kind of like the uh, upper limit, you know, for the average person. Now, if you're 220 pounds and you're 13% body fat or whatever, for 15% body fat, like probably handle some more. Okay. But, um, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with drinking caffeine. Um, I don't like energy drinks. My friend, Allison Brager, she's a neuroscientist. She works, um, she's in the military that she's done some of the, some of the significant studies on soldiers have found that it's neurodegenerative. Some of these combinations of things that are in these things. As a matter of fact, there was a study done with soldiers that those that actually drink two or more energy drinks a day are actually more likely. They have more depressive symptoms. They suffer with energy, all these different things. So is is it the chicken or the egg? We don't know. But um, maybe if you're reaching for that extra can of Monster, there's something going on. Wow. Wow. Uh, last couple of minutes here, doctor, uh, hydration, just touch on hydration for a minute. Cause, uh, again, that's relatable to all of us. We all need to hydrate. Do we need to do it first thing in the morning? Can I go get my coffee first thing in the morning? How much hydration, you know, like how much water should we drink a day? Oh, great question. Um, a lot, um, your urine should be lightly yellow to borderline clear. Okay. If it's, if it starts looking like iced tea, you got serious problems. Um, preferably drinking non-sweetened beverages, water. I like to use water with electrolytes. I use something called like a Ultima, which is a yeah. zero calorie electrolyte solution. Um, yes, you should be high. I'd hydrate like eight to 12 ounces upon waking because when you're breathing, you're breathing out, you're re- expiring humidified air. And so you are dehydrating as you sleep at night. So yeah, you should drink eight to 12 ounces upon waking, if not more, then drink your coffee and then drink regularly throughout the day. Like I drink at least 12 to 15 cups of water a day. Cool. Um, you know, maybe I pee a lot, but who cares? Uh, just several percents of, uh, I think it's even 2% dehydration can significantly impair cognitive function. Uh, your body is predominantly made up of water every cell the cell membranes have fatty phospholipid bilayers that need water i mean like every cell in the human body needs it you need it for conducting electrical impulses through nerves so you need the minerals electrolytes you need the water so drink plenty of water okay awesome uh this is something i try to ask all guests that come on this show i want to ask you about flow state i'm really interested in flow state uh, you mentioned mindfulness, you know, we talked about visualization, but in terms of performance, mm. right, you know, is is flow state, what is flow state? And on top of that, is it something we can practice or does it just happen? Man, flow state is like when everything in the world kind of like disappears and you're able to focus on one thing without distraction. In sports, when you're in it, it's like you're just seeing the field you're reacting. It's just happening. It takes a tremendous amount of training and you're able to access mental models of the world or that you've generated on what's happening. Um, And that's when things are just clicking. It takes a tremendous amount of training. One of the most satisfying, I think about work, right? Um, One of the most satisfying things is when you can sit down for an hour or two and focus on one thing without distraction It is deeply satisfying. Yeah. 
when you're task switching all the time and your mind's all over the place that it's awful. It's agitating. I've started to block out my mornings up till 11 AM for nothing but me and work. Nice. And I'm getting better at this, but you have to train awareness through mindfulness. Um, you need to create an environment where you it's, you're going to feel a sense of agitation as you enter this state because your sympathetic nervous system is ramping up. You're going to feel like, and then it's just like, if you can focus, it's like you're in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am not an expert on flow state, but um, it is a place of deep, satisfying work. Yeah. And um, I think we can get there more often if we can unclutter our minds. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, last point, last question, Dr. Fulfillment. What does fulfillment mean to you? I think it goes back to inspiration. Yeah. Living a life of impact. Yeah. Um, you know, aim seven, we want to help people live healthy, impactful lives. We believe that if, if I can help somebody be healthy, then you can live a life of impact. Yeah. Um, if I'm a good father and I, I look, I'm like everybody else, we're all flawed. So we're, let's not pretend here. <laughs> it's easy to put on a facade, right? Of like, oh, you know, everything's great. Um, and there's times where it's good and there's times where it's not. Yeah. Fulfillment comes where like, I've done everything I can to be the best I can for those that I love, for those around me. Um, and for me, it's like God, family, you know, all the, and that's kind of the, that's the hierarchy for me. And so um, I'm fulfilled when I'm living that out with authenticity. I'm not fulfilled when I live a selfish life. Mm. That sucks the ever everything out of you. When you're focused on you, it's all about you. Guess what? You will implode. Mm. Um, you, you see it all the time. People live these lives of, I've seen it before, coaches, they collect all these trophies and they have nothing left. Mm -hmm. No family, yeah. no kids, no relationships. You can do both. It just takes a tremendous amount of work. Um, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Dr. Eric, man, what a what an amazing episode we just had. That was <laughs> that was a great talk. Um, before we go, I want you to take some time to promote all your stuff. And oh. by the way, I'm a fan of your podcast. You know, I've been Thank listening you. to it lately. Talk about your podcast. Talk about AIM. I know we've been talking about AIM7, but mm -hmm. just, you know, promote that and anything else you want. Well, I appreciate that. Um, the blueprint is the podcast you're referencing. It's designed for busy people. We distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into very simple tactics. So it's like 15 minute episode about one thing that you can walk away and go, I can use that today. So it'd be a great augment to this podcast where like you could listen to it on the way to the grocery store, right? That was yeah. the design. Yeah. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Eric Corum. And then, you know, AIM7, uh, it's in private beta. And what does that mean? It means that um, it's not in the app store. Um, we're letting in, it's in this test flight environment for Apple. And so uh, we have a lot, of, we have, we're in, in integrated with the Apple watch, but we'll have Garmin whoop or all that stuff in here within a matter of weeks. Cool. Um, so if you sign up on the website, uh, we have another cohort that begins the first week of May and you get four zoom calls with our team. 
it's like a, it's not just an app to download. Like you're going to learn about adaptive capacity. All like we get you on a zoom call and it's four 30 minute zoom calls. Um, you get a great community. It's 15 bucks a month. I mean, it's like three coffees nowadays. <laughs> um, and it's a seven day free trial. So you can sign up if you don't like it, turn it off. But right now, 95% of people that are signing up are staying with us because of the value they're getting. So I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come on here and, and talk about how we can live a more thriving life. Yeah, man. And I appreciate the work that you're doing. Hey, thank you so much, man. Thank you. It's great to connect with you and thanks for being on the show and uh, don't go anywhere, but to any, to everyone listening or watching right now, really appreciate you if you stuck with us this far and um, it really does help if you give a like uh, or a comment that really does help. And if you have any questions for Dr. Eric and just put them down there in the comments, I'll make sure he gets them. Uh, subscribe if you feel inclined to. And other than that, everybody, peace and blessings. Stay inspired, y'all.